Who can tell me what story we find in John 4, 4 through 42? Huh? Some, somebody said it. Woman at the well. Mm-hmm. So if you are here and you're familiar with that story, what are some of your first thoughts that cross your mind when you think about the woman at the well? Shout them out. Compassion. What? Compassion. Compassion. Living water. Living water. All knowing. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Yeah. We know the story well, or most of us do. Um, I will tell you what, in, in preparing this sermon, I quickly realized um, that this is a two-part sermon, and I don't have a two-part slot in this pulpit. Um, but I, unlike our pastor, have a good stopping point when we get there. Um, so pastor in a, I don't know, two or three weeks might have to let me finish this out if we, if we choose to stop because we've got some important things going on after uh, this sermon with some new members and um, we don't want to keep children's church running for four hours. So, But Marie, I will say this. Do you want me to get Terry to come up here and uh, tell us the books of the Bible? <laughs> but, because that would prove that Sunday school is much more than just a... <laughs> I think Marie did a good job proving that it's a lot more than just babysitting. Anyway, here we go. Today I want us to look at this piece of scripture, but more specifically, uh, if we get there, uh, we'll be looking at 19 through 24. But there's a lot, and that's John 4, 19 through 24, but there's a lot of the, the background that we're going to get to today. Um, and like I said, I might have to finish this up at a later date. But, but let's first identify the characters in this play. Now, I use story and I use play um, kind of loosely. Let's not forget that this really happened. This really happened. But in our play, uh, when I read the scriptures, I immediately identify two main characters. Can y'all guess them? Jesus and the woman. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty cut and dry. Yeah, we got Jesus and we got, more specifically, we got the Samaritan woman. But I will add another character to this play. One that's pretty crucial, and that is the well itself, or more specifically, the location of the well itself. Have you ever been guilty of saying this phrase? It doesn't get any better than this. I would venture to say at some point in our lives, we have all used that phrase. It might have been when you experienced the most amazing sunrise or sunset. You experienced your first home run, soccer goal, hole-in-one, or touchdown. I've never experienced any of those, but <laughs> some of you might have. Maybe it was your wedding day. Maybe it was holding your firstborn child or maybe your grandchild. Maybe it was landing your dream job, your dream car, your dream home. Point is, we've probably all said at some point, it doesn't get any better than this. Well, here's a spoiler. Spoiler alert, as Christians here on earth, as good as it gets is to worship God in spirit and in truth. On earth, that is the highest attainment that a human being can come to. That kind of convicts me when I think about those other times I've used that doesn't get any better than this. 
Not that those other times aren't good. No, all of those that I listed on that, they're great. But they should, but they shouldn't even compare to what worshiping my God, my Savior, my Lord, and my Creator looks like. Now I say that because I will jump way ahead. God does some tremendous things to a woman in this story. But it's all so that she can worship. So don't forget that because we probably won't get there today. Everything that's happening in this story is so that this woman can worship her God. As good as it gets. So I've titled this um, sermon, How Thirsty Are You? Um, so I'm going to read John 4, 19 through 24 right now. John 4. 19 through 24. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And that's where we'll stop. And that's where eventually I want to get to. But before we move forward, and maybe before I can even finish this in another sermon, we've got to go backwards just a bit. And get some background. Where is Jesus going? Anybody know where he's headed? Yeah. Jesus is in Judea. And he's heading to Galilee. But right in the middle of those two provinces is a place called Samaria. And this is important. But we will talk about that in a bit. So Jesus is on a 60 mile journey. Now. Jesus does not have a Ford F-250 with all-terrain tires on it. And we know that Jesus wouldn't own a Chevrolet. <laughs> I own both. Nor does Jesus have a motorcycle or any other means of transportation with wheels on it. I guess he could have ridden a donkey or a horse. But what we see in Scripture is that he was walking. He was walking. I love in verse 4 how Jesus says... I must go through Samaria. Like, I have no other choice but to go through Samaria. Why? Why? I'll tell you, there's only one reason why. It's because father, his father said go through Samaria. He was being obedient to his father. Period. Um, there were other ways to get to where he was going. And by the way, most other Jews did go another way from where he was heading. First of all, the way Jesus was going was much more mountainous. It was. It was a lot easier terrain to go around instead of over the mountains. Secondly, Samaria was a hostile country. The Samarians cared very little for the Jews, and the Jews cared very little for the Samaritans. But Jesus...
He had a divine appointment. And he was willing to sacrifice some comfort to make that appointment. I, for one, am extremely grateful for divine appointments from my Lord Jesus Christ. If you have been saved, you need to know that you're a divine appointment too. And even after salvation, Jesus has shown up in my life with divine appointment after divine appointment after divine appointment. And I know he does with y'all too. It's just, do we recognize it? So Jesus had a divine appointment with a woman. But she was just not any woman. She was a wayward woman. What do I mean by that? Well, Scripture tells us this woman had been married five times, and she was currently sleeping around with a man that was not her husband. She was a wayward woman. I don't think it's fair that don't talk about the wayward men that she was with, don't you? But there's a reason. Scripture tells us, uh, however, this wayward woman, now this is good, this wayward woman is about to meet Jesus, and things are going to change. Things are going to change. When you meet Jesus, things change. If you've had an encounter with Jesus and things hadn't changed, you need to check up. And folks, it should constantly be changing. I should constantly be changing. Spoiler alert, when we get to the end of this, we got a springing well in us. It's, I shouldn't be satisfied, well, I have been changed from where I was to now. I'm a lot better. That's okay. I can just go on from there. No, I need to be changing constantly. And the change in this lady is going to be a change that takes her from a wayward woman to a liberated lady. Because she's about to be set free by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's really one of the most beautiful pictures of salvation in the entire Bible. It really is. Now, I am sure that this woman did not wake up one morning and say, you know what? I'm going to start living a life full of sin. That's my goal. No. Instead, over the time, the devil and his lies had deceived this woman. And now, she was his slave. She was a slave to her sin. John 8, 34 states that whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. This woman had gone from husband to husband to husband to husband to husband, only to be discarded like worn-out clothing by each of them. Now in the tightest grip of her sin, she is again living with man number six. There had to be times where she wanted to do better. Don't you know that she wanted to do better? Surely there were times where she wanted to be freed from her bondage, but she didn't have the power to break loose from the iron bands and chains of slavery Satan had put upon her. So she was also a slave to her sorrow. And don't you know it, if you can for a minute, put yourself in this woman's shoes. I've lived enough life of sorrow, I can just put myself back in my old shoes and I remember my own sorrow. But don't you know she was... Sorrow. Bread of deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth shall be filled with gravel. Sin may have its thrills, but it never has lasting joy, only prolonged sorrow. So she was a slave to her sin. She was a slave to her sorrow, and she was also a slave to superstition. In verse 22, Jesus tells this woman, you worship what you do not know. We see in this verse that she was a religious woman. How do we know that? 
She worshipped. Jesus said, you worship, but you worship what you do not know. So she was a religious woman. She even worshipped. The problem is she didn't know the God she worshipped. And that's a big problem. It's a big problem that a lot of people have today. Um, she had superstition, a form of godliness, but there was no power there to deliver her poor superstitious religion. She had tried it. And, she had failed, and it had failed her. It had no joy. It had no strength. It had no satisfaction. Satisfaction. It shouldn't, it shouldn't surprise us that this woman continued on in her sin. It really shouldn't. Everybody needs to be satisfied. Everybody. Can, can one of y'all raise your hand and say, I don't need to be satisfied? No. Everybody needs to be satisfied. And when this woman couldn't find it in her fake religion, she tried to find it in sin. Uh, sound familiar? Sound like me? Sound like you? This is happening all over the world today. This is the reason. This is the woman that made Jesus say, I must go through Samaria. The Bible says in verse 6 that Jesus sat on the well. Jesus was tired. He was hot. He was thirsty. And I love it when we can see the humanity of Jesus. I absolutely love it when we can see the humanity of Jesus. Why? Because it helps me relate to him. I cannot relate to his deity. I, I'm not omnipresent or omnis not omnipotent. But guess what I am? Very much human. Maybe the most surprising thing is that Jesus can relate to me. Because he's very much human too. But I love this. We see his humanity. And we, see, and we know through scripture that it was at high noon. At high noon, Jesus was sitting there at the well. And here comes this woman. Now why is she coming at high noon? That is not the time to draw water. By the way, not in this culture. It's not the normal time to draw water. But this woman was an outcast, a woman of ill repute. So she did not come when the other women came in the morning to draw water from the well, and I can't blame her. She'd just be ridiculed more, put down more. She came at high noon because she had been isolated, outcast, despised and looked down upon. But here she is, and she's about to meet Jesus. There are times in the Bible where we see Jesus giving simple commands, and, and people just instantly obey. We, we saw that when Jesus says um, to some of the disciples, follow me. Bye, Dad. And follow. Just leave their livelihood and follow me. And look, as Christians, that's, the, that's what we want. That's what we want whenever we tell somebody about Jesus. Hey, um, let me tell you about my Jesus. And, and if you believe in him and, and trust him, and you'll be saved. Okay, that's just not the way it works most of the times, right? But that's the way we want it. And if it don't work that way most of the times, a lot of times we give up. So what I also like about this is we're going to see that Jesus comes up against some barriers. It's not always just easy for him either. Here we see that Jesus is going to have some barriers to overcome. But don't miss out how the Lord Jesus 
keeps pressing the issue and how the Lord Jesus Christ did not quit and how the Lord Jesus Christ, the master soul winner, kept bringing himself and his wonderful salvation to this woman. You see, when we feel like we fail in evangelism, if we are evangelizing, if we are witnessing, when we feel like we fail, we let ourselves get in the way because all of a sudden we feel like they're rejecting me and we keep maybe trying to bring ourselves. Well, stop that. All you got to do is just keep bringing Jesus. Just keep bringing Jesus. That's what Jesus did. He kept bringing himself to this woman. So the first barrier we see that Jesus run, runs into is very much still alive today. And that is the racial barrier. Look in John 4, 9. John chapter 4, verse 9. It says, Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink? Since I'm a Samaritan woman. For Jews, well, let's just stop right there. Um, again, a quick history lesson is in order. The Samaritans, who are they? They're a remnant of what? The ten tribes of Israel. Who lived where? In the north. Okay? And in 1722, the Assyrians came down and carried the ten tribes away into captivity and took with them. Who would you take with them? They took with them the strongest, the wealthiest, and the healthiest of the Jews. Well, guess who was left? The sick, the weak, the diseased, and the crippled, and the impoverished. And those uh, were the ones left to defend for themselves. The Assyrians didn't want to be bothered by them. Sometime later, the Assyrians, in order to replenish the land, sent some of the Assyrians back in there. The Jews then intermarried with the Assyrians, and they became a half-breed race. And the pure-blood Jews of that day despised them. There was a real racial barrier here animosity and Jesus being a Jew had a choice to make he had to come over, overcome that animosity how did he do this Jesus stuck to the truth that the gospel is for everyone it was then and it still is today Jesus is not just the white man's savior or the black man's savior nor is he the red or yellow man's savior Jesus and the salvation he offers is for all all even the people that I have a racial issue against even the people you have a racial issue against So that was the first barrier he had to overcome. Then, then we have the resentment barrier. The resentment barrier. Listen as this woman spits fire at Jesus. I love it when people are just real with Jesus, especially when they don't know who he is. And, and men, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say spit fire and don't act like you don't. You've heard it. This woman says, how dare you a Jew? How dare you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for water? 
You can feel the hostility and the resentment here. It's, it's, it's easy to see. This woman had been rejected, put down, discriminated against for so long, and her heart was filled with a hatred and bitterness towards the Jews. Why? It's an iconic act of prejudice. That is, she was judging Jesus. Now listen to this. She was judging Jesus based on the acts of the other Jews she had experienced in her life. All right, here's a question for you. How are people looking at other Christians they run into based on your experience with them? That's a real question that we need to take serious. This woman had a bad reputation. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. The last barrier Jesus had to run into, well, not, maybe not the last, but another big one was the barrier of reputation. This woman had a bad reputation. I mean, many in her day, and sadly in ours, would call her pure trash. Five failed marriages and living in sin with a sixth man. In Jesus' day, men did not just simply talk to women on the streets. It just didn't happen. And here we have Jesus, who was considered a rabbi. Now, the Jewish tr tradition said that a rabbi should not speak to a woman in public, period, not even his wife. Tradition is another barrier Jesus had to overcome. But here we find Jesus overcoming all of those barriers to bring salvation to a dirty streetwalker. You know, he cared just as much for this woman as he cared for everybody sitting in this pew. Just as much, no less, and no, no more. He can't love us more. Don't think the gospel is for everyone. Just look at how beautifully the Bible is written. And this is pretty cool. In John chapter 3, we have who? Anybody know? Nicodemus. I'll give you a hint. It's Nicodemus. Who was Nicodemus? A ruler of the Jews. Right? I mean, if there was an ever an up and up kind of person, it was him. And in the very next chapter, we have the lowest of the lows and a woman who's about to experience the exact same salvation because they both got saved. They both experienced salvation. These two chapters being put side by side is telling us that there is nobody so good that they don't need to be saved. And there's nobody so wretched that can't be saved. Isn't that cool? I think it's cool, too. Truthfully, that is my stopping point, and we probably should stop due to what we have other, other stuff going on here. Um, but we need to hear the ending of this story. We can't forget about that well. Jesus calls himself living water. Jesus, the master soul winner, just used what he was given. He saw that well and he saw that water and he started comparing it to himself.
And at the end of this story, this woman leaves her water jug at the well. Why? Because Jesus had given her a living well. She didn't need that water no more. She didn't need that water no more. Um, barriers. What is the barrier that's holding you back? What is it? People need to know the gospel. People need to know that Jesus Christ loves them. People need to know that that fake religious religion that they're trying that's not bringing them satisfaction and so they turn to a, a, a lifestyle of sin to try to feel what only Jesus can feel. Jesus, th these people need to know the gospel. That Jesus loves them came to earth, died for them, was buried, and overcame death on the third day and rose again. And by believing that, these people can find real satisfaction in, in Jesus Christ. Satisfaction that changes them from a wayward woman to a liber, liberated lady, or a wayward man to something good. But you're going to have to face some barriers in your life. And you're going to have to learn to overcome them. Or guess what? Those people might not hear the gospel. And hell's a real place. Hell's a real place. So I challenge you this morning. And Pastor, you can come on up. Um, I challenge you to start breaking down the barriers in your own life because people need to hear the gospel and God has given it to us as a responsibility to share the gospel. Not that Jesus, not that Jesus can't do it on his own. He can't. But he's told us as Christians, it's y'all's responsibility to go out there and share the gospel and to bring people to me. Thanks.